0: Hello there and welcome to another episode of Ask a Coach. As part of Team Oxygen Addict's collaboration with Ironman Europe, we've been inviting questions in from followers of Ironman Europe on Instagram to ask any questions they might have to help improve their biking across winter. So let's get straight into it with the questions. First question then, what's the most effective training to increase FTP performance? Well, firstly, let's define your FTP. Functional threshold power represents how hard you can go for an hour in a race situation on a bike. And it's the average power you'll produce during the hour. We test for it in training by having you do a 20 minute flat time trial and then taking 95% of that number. In order to increase that number as efficiently and effectively as possible, we're gonna have you do two interval sessions a week Each interval session is going to have you working at or just under 100% of your FTP number. We're aiming to have you do intervals between 5 minutes and 10 minutes long with between 1 and 2 minutes recovery each time. And ideally we're looking for 30 to 40 minutes worth of hard work within an hours long session including warm-up and cool-down. And we'll also have you do one extra ride a week that will be a lower intensity steady zone 2 type ride as well. Next question. Should we ride on heart rate or power? So I want you doing all of your training and your racing guided by power as your primary metric, but we're also gonna use heart rate as well. The reason we're gonna use power as the primary metric is heart rate is affected by a lot of things that power is not affected by. So heart rate's affected by how hot it is on the day, how excited you get on race day, by dehydration, by how fatigued you are power is a much more objective feedback of how hard you're working so in training it's going to give you a much more accurate level and representation of how hard you're actually working and the work that you're doing and on race day it's going to give you a really accurate level of how much work you're doing in the race to help you effectively limit the work you do so that you can protect your ability to run really well off the bike Next question, are power zones calculated through an FTP test accurate for bike split pacing? So rather than think about power zones, what I'm going to encourage you to do here is look at the percentage of functional threshold power that you want to average across the bike leg. In general, for iron distance athletes, we're going to be looking at an average of between 60 and 75% of FTP. And for 70.3, we're going to be looking between 70 to 85% of FTP. It's quite a big broad range that and the most important thing here is that you don't go too hard. So the longer you're out on the course for, the lower end of that range of FTP we want you to be sitting in. A really good way to work out roughly how long you'll be out there. There's some really clever software solutions out there if you Google them that'll help predict how fast an athlete like you will cover the bike leg of your chosen race and then what we want to make sure is that you don't go too hard because we want you protecting your ability to run well off the bike. Should zone 2 training be a continuous effort block or broken up? I want as much as possible for your zone two steady rides to be a continuous ride. We have to remember what the purpose of these sessions are. There's two purposes here. We want to improve your overall endurance, and that means your ability to ride for longer. And we want to improve the fuel efficiency of your body, meaning you're going to proportionally learn to burn more fat as a fuel by doing it. If you break your Zone 2 rides up, neither of those two things are going to happen very effectively. So we want to make sure that there are continuous efforts. And most importantly, if you're riding outdoors, make sure you don't go too hard on the hills because we don't want you spiking your power and spending considerable time out of that Zone 2 area because that's really going to affect negatively your ability to improve your fat-burning efficiency. Is there a big difference between indoor and outdoor bike training? Well, the good news is you can make really good use of indoor training and get really fit. There are some big positives and there are also some drawbacks as well. The first positive is you can do really specific targeted hard intervals indoors without the worry of needing to be aware of your surroundings with things like cars like you would outdoors. The other big benefit is obviously you can train indoors when the weather's really poor and it wouldn't be safe to train outdoors. Now the drawbacks of doing your training indoors, obviously you're gonna have to accept you will have to train outdoors leading up to your event. You need to train outdoors on your bike to improve your bike handling skills. You're gonna need to develop the, the positional fitness, I call it, the things like the neck muscles and the shoulder muscles getting used to being either on the bars or in the aero position. And it's also a challenge to do the longer rides indoors on the trainer, but if that's the only option, you can certainly get really fit training indoors over the winter. How do I get better at hill riding while indoor training? And I've only got a simple setup here. So it's really important to realize, let's break this down into the challenge you'll be facing riding on the hills outdoors. Usually what's going to happen is you're going to have to push a bigger gear at a lower cadence than you're used to doing if you were just riding along on the flat. And for most people, what they find is the cadence drops by about 20 revolutions a minute to drop into a a comfortable climbing cadence so do exactly that on the indoor trainer you can still use the same position you don't have to worry about raising the front wheel of the bike but focus on doing efforts of initially between one to three minutes and then up to five to ten minutes of pushing a bigger gear at a lower cadence than you're used to so producing say 10 percent more power but at 20 revolutions a minute less than you are used to Start with those short intervals and that'll help protect your knees from getting overly sore, but that will help improve your your climbing when you transition to riding outdoors again. At what point does one choose a road bike over a tri bike for 70.3? Well, I think there's a couple of considerations here. It's what kind of athlete are you? How comfortable and confident are you handling your tri-bike, especially on descents? And how competitive are you? The tri-bike is always going to be faster aerodynamically, but it might be a drawback, especially it's more the descents than the going uphill, to be honest with you. It's how confident you are handling that tri-bike, which doesn't handle as well as a road bike, on the downhills as you would be on your road bike. And if you're worried about it in any way, if you're concerned about how the tri bike handles or how you handle your tri bike going downhill, if you think you're gonna be faster on the road bike, then the chances are you probably will do. For the more competitive end of the field who are comfortable and confident handling that tri bike, I think the choice is gonna be a tri bike in every situation. When should I invest in aero bars? I've been competing for a year and I've been finishing the top 10 in races. Well look, the thing with aero bars is they're immediately going to make you more aerodynamic and that means you're going to go faster for the same effort. So I would advise you to get those aero bars as soon as possible, but accept that it's going to take a little bit of time for you to adjust riding in the position. It's going to take time to adjust to the bike handling in that position. And it's gonna take time to adjust you putting out the same amount of bike power in a slightly changed bike position on the aero bars. But all that being said, you're immediately going to be more aerodynamic by having those bars on your bike. And so for the same power relatively, you're going to be faster. So it's definitely time for you to be considering putting aero bars on your road bike. How much time should be spent on the TT bike versus the road bike? Well, this is a really simple answer. I advise all of my athletes to spend as much time as they possibly safely can riding their TT bikes. If they're inside on the trainer, I'll have them inside doing their interval sessions and doing their FTP tests on the tri-bike indoors all winter long. During the winter, I'll have them outside on the road bike because I think it's a little bit safer to be riding the road bike, especially in the winter conditions. But I want you to think about transitioning to doing your longer rides on your TT bike as well, as soon as the weather is safe and practical for you to do so. There's a really big element, especially for Ironman, there's an element of fitness involved in getting used to riding for five, six, seven, eight hours in the aero position. In terms of your neck muscles, your shoulder muscles, getting used to riding in that position. So... It will improve, so it's kind of two parts of training. Training the power delivery on the trainer in the winter and then training the positional fitness outdoors on the TT bike as your race approaches. Okay, I hope you found these bike training tips useful. Remember, you can help us out a lot by liking and subscribing to the channel on YouTube and on the podcast subscriber that you listen to on. And keep your eye out on Ironman Europe's Instagram feed. They'll be running one of these question and answer sessions every month and you'll be able to ask any questions you've got and we'll be able to help you out as much as we possibly can. Okay, guys, thanks very much for watching and listening. We'll see you all again soon. Bye now.